BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Yo, next round is about to start. You ready? Yeah, yeah, just shopping for a car in Carvana. For real? Yeah, Carvana makes it super convenient to shop whenever, wherever. For real? That's a ton of car options. Yep, and these are all within my price range. For really real? You can afford that? Yeah, with Carvana. And boom, just like that, I'm getting it delivered in a couple days. For really, really real? You just bought a car. For real, and you just lost. My turn. Visit Carvana.com to shop for thousands of vehicles under $20,000. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast on Leverage to Chat. I'm your host, Justin Rowan, with my co-host, Carter Rodriguez, making his return. How you doing, buddy? It feels like I, ha- I haven't been on in like six months, um, which is must be must have been a nice break for our uh, dozens of listeners. Um, but it, I'm back. It, it's easier on the ears. It's easier on the ears when you're not around. But um, we're, we're going to ease you into this, make sure that you're not being asked to do too much too soon. So... We brought back Mort. Mort, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going great. How are you guys doing? Well, I guess we already asked Carter, but you know. Yeah, well, well fuck Carter. I've got a, uh, I've got an anxiety to, to communicate to you guys, and I, th- I think you guys are helpful. Uh, a buddy of mine texted me and asked if anyone had ever compared my voice to Joe Buck, and that bothered me because I don't oh, think anyone I likes like that. Joe Buck. Ooh. All right. I really like that. Yeah, right here is where you need to stop it and add in some Joe Buck audio. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doubting we have the rights to that, but you do sound like kind of a hybrid of Joe Buck and Adam Scott. Yeah, I know Dave DeFore pushes the Adam Scott a lot, um, but the Joe Buck thing bothered me because nobody even fucking likes Joe Buck. In fact, he's like consistently I love hated. Joe Buck. Aw. Man. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, I think Joe Buck has redeeming qualities. Uh, have you yeah. either of you watched Brockmire? No. No. No, 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 no. no, he is funny on that. And uh, no. you guys. <laughs> I don't know why we were so disrespectful about that as though like Brockmire is like a known shitty show, but I, I'm glad we took the route we did. Honestly, like I just had a mini panic attack. I'm like, do people not like that? It, I don't think it, anyone even um, knows about it. It's the one yeah. with his area, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I've it's heard it's pretty, pretty good, actually. <laughs> it it actually is good. Why and that's so why I was mean about that, Mort. <laughs> uh, well, because I've never heard of it. Um, and, which <laughs> and is you fun. said, no, 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 no. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> so my interpretation is if I haven't heard of it, you know, 
I probably should not associate. Oh, with you it. sure didn't. Anyway, it, it's very up your alley, but but there's there's a whole part in it where uh, Hank Azaria has beef with Joe Buck, and like Joe Buck is just kind of unhinged on that, and he's just like shit talking, and he's really funny, like unexpected. The character well, that's respect. Yeah, did you know he was fast? I'm kind of hearing some some Ray Romano from Carter. That's that just my sad sackness. <laughs> Ray, Ray Romano there. does that really well. Yeah. Joe Buck does that well. Anyways, speaking of anxiety, uh, I'm sure that was an intentional segue from Carter. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a little bit about the uh, Kevin Love piece with Players Tribune. Um, we're avoiding a lot of game talk right now because we're recording this before the game against the Nuggets. Because that start time is just a piece of shit. Nine, like 10, 9.30 Nobody does Central, dude. Well, Justin and I do because we live in it. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that's our focus. Yeah. All right. So there's two times. There's Pacific and there's Eastern. Now, obviously, everyone uses Eastern, but that's it. So if you're going to name a time, it has to be Eastern or it has to be Pacific. Well, I, I said 1030 Eastern. Eastern. Yeah. I went some. Yeah. So you can, yeah, you can direct your ire at me. Point is, it's a late ass start. And it's is late garbage. on Friday night, too. Um, I, I can't recall start times that late. Well, I think and it's, it's very, very annoying. I think both games are national games, like tonight yeah, is. And there yeah. is just an earlier game at 7. Well, the good news is the Cavs do well on national games, so um, that that's encouraging. We will have an emergency pod tomorrow in case something does happen. I hope to Christ nothing does happen. Um, but yes, now now that we've addressed the Nuggets and our hopes that it doesn't turn into another game against the Nuggets like the last one. Shout um, out to the Nuggets for losing to the Dallas Mavericks. That was ah, so important see, for my spirit. Can we talk about Mannix deleting his tweet about the Nuggets? No, he did. He did. Old Takes no, Exposed uh, did find that tweet. Oh, there we go. Good for Old Takes Exposed. What was it? How did I miss? I couldn't find it. Well, um, Chops like came out with the accusing of him deleting it, and I just assumed I had it bookmarked, so I checked my bookmarks, and I was like, oh, it's not there. Uh, Nam, sure has petty, yeah. Nam has a doc of petty... Uh, Twitter faves too. Hmm. So, uh, you guys are really you this? guys need help. Basically, is the more moral of the story. My God, is this start very self involved? Yeah, it is. Like this is this is painful. Let's let's transition <laughs> for the third time. We will try to transition to Kevin Love writing in the Players Tribune about his uh, battles with anxiety as well as an anxiety attack. That he suffered in a game against the Hawks at the start of the season. I believe it was the tenth game of the year. Um, I, I thought it was really awesome. Um, as somebody that has been outspoken about mental health issues as well as deals with my own issues, um, it, it was really great to see. Um, it's nice to see ripple effects from what Demar Derozan did over the All Star break, speaking up about his battles with depression. Um, and, and just the overwhelming positivity that those stories have been met with um, is surprising to me. Uh, I, did Were you guys kind of surprised by how that's been received? Well, I guess I'll go. Um, <laughs> I was waiting for Carter. I forgot that, you know, he 
apparently just doesn't even do this kind of stuff. Well, no, yeah, he he no, he's he's like Joe Buck. He he's very dead. I mean, it takes him a while uh, to respond. As both of you have written articles about this, and I have not, so I was going to let you guys take the lead. Heaven forbid, uh, I, take I appreciate. I appreciate you easing your way back from your hip injury. I wish oh, more people had done that this year. Dare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I am. I don't know that I'm surprised. Honestly, I, you know, I, I, I guess I can't say. De, Demar Derozan got an amazingly positive. So I guess I was less surprised by Kevin's because the outreach. And the reaction to DeMar DeRozan's piece was so positive. Um, but I thought people were more or less positive about Royce White. But, you know, the league was not positive. That's the thing with Royce White. Like, I don't think the the fan bases, you know, and as people that watch and cover the league, I don't think anyone was negative, you know, in that regard, or even players. It was team execs that were negative about Royce White, at least in everything I remember seeing and reading. Um, or even stuff people said like, you know, when I when I was out in Vegas. And so part of that positivity, you know, could come from, hey, this is two guys that, you know, these are all stars. <laughs> yeah, do do you think some of that is influenced by Royce White not being able uh, his part of his issues was he wasn't able to fly, right? So that it would be tough to accommodate him. Like, do you think that that's what it is that you're talking about two all-stars versus someone that would actually inconvenience an organization in terms of how, how they would need to come up with travel plans? Do you think that's part of why it's easier for some issues to be addressed than others or well-received? We're also in a different place, like in society right, right now. Like, we've had, like, what, five to eight years since Royce White? I don't really remember when he came out, but uh, it wasn't recently. And, I mean, plus, like, I don't know, like, has anyone like ever opening up about their personal demons not been received well? Like in terms of like in in recent years, well, like I just think like when you have like all we want is to get to know these people and like opening up that part of their minds is like as for fans, like I think that makes them feel closer. Like I think Cavs fans probably have a greater affection for Kevin Love knowing this, you know, very private part of him that we didn't prior, right? Right. Um, if you self-report, I mean, people are not kind to Lamar Odom. That's like, true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Self-reporting know, um, is a factor. And, and, and we don't have a history. It really varies. Yeah, you're you actually, know, you're right. It, it is kind of just on a case-to-case basis. I, I think it does kind of underscore, you know, that, that we really don't know what the hell we're talking about and that we fashion and craft a lot of opinions with relatively no evidence like watching games and post-game interviews and shoot-around interviews and reading some tweets is nowhere near enough data to you know kind of interpret how these people are and yet here we are all the time uh maybe not us specifically but you know as as a group of people that that follow the league all the time you know we have all all these opinions and thoughts and definitive statements to share. I mean, I can't where, tell you how many times I've seen the tweet like Kevin's checked out tonight. Yeah. Oh, look at his body language. I don't know, yeah. man. Like what? Body what language Twitter's great. 
Yeah. But yeah, so... it, there's there's no like precedent to really compare this to because um like I, I think the climate's changing to where guys are comfortable coming out about this stuff. Like it, it just was something that was never discussed. And even if you look at the NBA um like five, ten years ago, you still have guys like Kevin Garnett in the locker room that I, I would assume wouldn't be as receptive to stuff like that. But I, I think the culture and, and kind of the stigma around these things is being eroded over time and you see guys that are, are more in tune with what they're feeling. Um, they, 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 we have a better understanding of it so they can identify what it is accurately. Um, because as you said, with Lamar Odom or Delonte West or Stefan Marbury, like um, those, those issues uh, were serious, but a lot of people joked about them because we, we just didn't have an understanding of it at that time. I Larry Sanders. Yeah. You know, like he's, hey, I'm going to get a buyout and go handle my business. You know, the, the striking thing about the Kevin Love story. And again, I think part of where you see an organization bending to this so much, because it's the same exact organization that maybe did not do enough for Delonte. Um, oh, absolutely. That was something that was on my mind with this. You know, they're organizing a therapist and everything for him, which I think is great. But, you know, Larry, say, I, I don't. I didn't, this would be a prime example of having an opinion and not having all the facts. I don't recall that same thing, you know, being publicly talked about as, as being offered or arranged for Larry Sanders. Perfectly reasonable that it was, and I just don't know about it. But going on the hypothetical that maybe it was not, you know, that's Larry Sanders was out of the league. Everyone was making fun of him. Oh, he just wants to go smoke some pot. Like, man. You know, I mean, isn't that that? That's just like the privilege of being really good, right? Like it, like that's like always been the way the NBA handles guys, right or wrong. And I mean, it's probably right. wrong. Like the fact that like Every, you're, you're allowed to be a, a bigger, like even if you're not just needing help, like if you're allowed to be a bigger problem if you're really, really good. Um, you're allowed to be. Your teams are willing to make more concessions and take care of you better if you're really good. And it's not surprising that as you said, like the two names that are coming out are that are getting a ton of positive reinforcement right now are DeRozan and Love, two all-stars. Right. And and maybe it takes guys like DeRozan and Love to kind of set a precedent and and to force teams to think, okay, well, how are we... It kind of forces them to go out of their way to, to help them out and be accommodating to these issues because um obviously those are players that are very important to both toronto and cleveland like a lot of their success relies on having those guys right physically mentally and, and ready to play and if it takes guys like that or if it starts with guys like that then all of a sudden there's a precedent teams that are dealing with lower level players um and guys that may not be as important to the success of the team um they can kind of call around and say okay well what's what, Right, exactly. And, and now, um, just as we're recording this, Kelly Oubre Jr. Uh, came out and, and talked about his depression and, and stuff that he's dealing with. So I th I really do feel like it it's kind of going to have a snowball effect and that now that this is gaining momentum. And it's just such an interesting kind of change in the dynamic, because um, if you look even at someone like LeBron James, like the league he came into versus what the league's like now and just the mentality of players. I, I, I would be really interested to hear what he had to say on that type of subject and what his point of view would be on it. 
it's tough to get LeBron to share, you know, his point of view on a subject, though. No, no, I, I'm not expecting that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just talking to someone. Well, that was a joke. He'll talk about whatever. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't. Um, <laughs> you but, know, yeah, it is interesting see to see that, you know, it's funny. I remember even like like a year ago, there were reports coming out that esports teams were hiring like life coaches and mental health coaches for their for the people on their teams just because like they're sitting in front of a monitor like 20 hours a day practicing. And it is kind mm-hmm. of funny that like esports teams are making that investment, but like pro sports teams who have obviously a ton more money to play with haven't really seemed to dive into that space as much as you'd think. Right. No, that and that is an interesting dynamic and a ton yeah. more pro- you'd think they'd have someone on staff. Yeah, like that's what I'm because saying. It's got to be not miserable, but I mean, you spend eight months of the year around the same guys. You have all this ridiculous pressure. Um, The idea that, you know, because you're well, well paid. And that's probably the most annoying thing. Like when someone has an off game, it's like, ah, you're you're a professional. Like, come on, man. You know, sometimes you're not feeling like folding pizza boxes. Nobody comes down and rags on you. Like that, that stuff happens. But also, um, but also, it's not like a normal job. And we were talking about this in the DMs the other, uh, earlier today about like how like this isn't like a job where like the Cavs don't really like want their guys to be that well rounded. They want them to like obsess about this one thing all the time. Like that's kind of like what the NBA demands you do is to be like obsessive and not particularly well balanced. They really want you working on basketball and your physical fitness like pretty much at all times. So it kind of makes sense that you need a little extra help uh, rounding out the edges when you're not really incentivized to have a, a normal life. Yeah, it's not healthy to, just, you know, do that kind of stuff. Um, or at least one. I, I don't know. I couldn't do it. I, I could not, you know, be on all the time as far as, oh, I should be up getting shots. Oh, I should. Yeah, watch what I eat. Got to go work out. Um, yeah, well, the interesting thing is, too, like basketball for a lot of people. And this was something that DeRozan and Love both talked about. Um, it It's an escape for them, right? Like it, it's how they 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 deal with or, or kind of have ignored those issues in the past. And, and Love talked about how when he dealt with his therapist that um, he was encouraged that the conversation wasn't really about basketball he got to talk about other things and and i I think that was a real positive thing because as he said it finding balance for these guys when so much of their their energy and their focus goes into the game um it can lead to other areas being neglected i think it's cool you know how positive it is i think it's it's really fun or not fun per se but a great sign and and great to see that that teams are maybe investing in this because it's mm-hmm. well-known people you know that, that have come out and said it and i definitely understand like you know basketball for me was just a way to kind of know anybody you know right. like my brother's six years older than me we never really got along single mother um so yeah i was either like alone at the house or i could go to the court and so that that was a way of, you know, just knowing people and having friends 
basically when I was a kid and when I was in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And it, I just can't imagine that becoming a job and then becoming something like, you know, that becomes something you need to perfect or, or you're seen as a failure, which, which I think is kind of how we've arrived. Like sports fandom has narrowed now to a point where you're either the best or you're terrible. At least that's, it seems like that's where a lot of the discussion is gone. And that just sounds like a really awful place to exist as someone that is under that microscope. You know, who's a a lot better at transitions than we are? Larry Nance. (laughs) (laughs) Larry Nance Jr. With his first start with the Cavs was absolutely fantastic. Um, I mean, he, he basically gave everything that we loved about Tristan, like that, that mobility and stuff like that. Um, But just, he, he's got a level of athleticism that I don't think we've ever seen um, for him, a LeBron teammate, uh, just a sense of, of the game. And we knew that he had looked good in previous stints with the team, but playing alongside LeBron really just brought out another gear with him. And he, he he's just so damn tough to account for. Um, Carter, I'll throw to you first because last time I, I tried to throw to you guys, you just kind of sat around. Uh, what were some of your impressions from Larry Nance? What's interesting about Nance, like, he just has a better, like, I mean, and we're going to preempt this by saying we're not playing him off of Tristan. We're not, because no. I just, I'm so bored by it and I'm not interested in it. But, like, when you're just come, kind of comparing those two skill sets at the center position and kind of who fits where. I mean, Nance's feel for the game offensively is pretty apparent. And he just has, like, a better sense of rhythm and space on offense. Like, sometimes Tristan will catch the ball and, like, there's this sense of, like, I'm not quite sure what to do next. Like, it's all being, like, procedurally generated. Like, he's coming up with it at, you know, by the second, like, kind of, like, flying by the seat of his pants. Whereas, like, Nance has a good feel for the rhythm of the offense and, like, where to duck in and where to move the ball next. And I really think that you're, you saw that um, in this game where he, he knows how to duck into space and he, he can take the ball in semi-transition and attack. And he can kind of pass out of the high post. And these are all things that, you know, for all of Tristan's strengths and even peak Tristan, he just was never able to do that. And I think that just unlocks another level on offense. And then defensively, you know, I do sense that he's not quite as long as Tristan is, um, but he is so active and he does have a good sense for where he needs to be. Uh, and I think he's done really well on switches too. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever be as good as peak Tristan on switches, but thus far he's been great. So I, I have very few complaints um, other than that foul rate, which I think might be a little fluky. I'm not sure. What do you think, Mark? Um, I mean, the foul rate is, and Justin and I had talked about it before. Um, I don't think it's fluky now. I think he's he's gotten better at it, and the expectation was, you know, as he got more comfortable, the the you know the foul rate would go down, which it has. Um, but again, you know, who's to say? He's never been a long term center before, and right. and that's a lot to ask. Uh, as far as the athleticism stuff, yeah, I think, you know, easily, um, this is the most athletic player that the Cavs have paired with LeBron. 
I mean, there's not a whole lot of other names on the list, you know. Jeff Green. <laughs> it's like JJ uh, Hickson, yeah. Jamario Moon. That's that's about it. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's basically Jamario Moon's probably the second, and that's probably the only other guy that that really gets up like this. And that there's there's a guy Yeah. That, that was after. <laughs> yeah, that was well. He was yeah. He was drafted while LeBron was here, but I don't think he came over for what, two years? Maybe it was right. next year. But um it couldn't but, yeah, possibly I mean, when, when matter you less. Add, <laughs> you add verticality to the game, you know, there's a level there. And that's kind of where I'm excited to see Kevin Love fit in. And that's where I think Kevin and Tristan played really well. And that's where Timo really excelled. You know? Um and, and maybe Timo is the most vertical guy that they've had other than Nance. And as dumb as that sounds, he's pretty athletic for a guy that's seven foot two. Yeah. He could, like if you just factor how high he got given his height and then the athleticism he had it, there's a case to be made. I see what you're saying. Right. And so when you add that, that vertical element and we've seen a few different times where his screens, you know, they have an added amount of gravity just because it's going to be a lot. I mean, he had like six dunks last game. Um, yeah, I think he had five in the first half. It was outrageous. Yeah. You know, which was not great for the mentions, even though Larry Nance Jr. is a ton of fun, which is maybe the weirdest, the weirdest thing that I've encountered so far on Twitter is this bizarre, um, hey, you know, neither of these players, both these players cannot be good. One has to be good. One has to be terrible. And if you enjoyed in the past the stylings of Tristan Thompson, you clearly don't want Larry Nance Jr. to succeed, which is bizarre. <laughs> it's it's like it's people on how anybody's approaching it. It's like people on Twitter's Twitter are like detectives solving a crime that wasn't committed. Like Larry, <laughs> like Larry Nance will do something good, and they'll be like, "See," and we're like, "See what? Yeah, it was a nice play. He's awesome." Like we're not. There, this was not the debate. You're changing arguments. You're arguing something that doesn't exist. You thought he I, couldn't I, do that? No, like that's <laughs> no. We all thought that a, a thing, thing that I said he could, could do. do. It's just I, insane. I, I got a really good laugh because, um, I mean, I'm probably one of the biggest Tristan fans out there, and I am fully supporting Nance starting. I, I think that that should be the move. And somebody um, was calling me out uh, for being a Tristan fan. They're like, look what Nance is doing. I'm like, yeah, well, I, I think Nance should be starting. He's like, yeah, well, you only started saying that about a week ago. And I'm like, man, he's been on the team for two weeks. Like, yeah, I, I need to see him. Can we get yeah. it a second? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, having depth would be good. Like, I, I think Nance should start. And my hope would be that with some time off um, and, and some rest, Tristan would be able to resume performing at a, a decent level because the numbers do kind of point towards him playing better when he does have rest. And my my other hope would be that if he is in a reserve role, he can stay fresh because Tristan was good in January and then love went down and things got a little bit awkward. And then you could tell he was kind of wearing down again. He was, there was more back to backs and more road games and, and he just wasn't effective. And, and on a night to night basis, you didn't know what you're getting from him. 
Um, so if in a reduced role, all of a sudden you get a more consistent Tristan Thompson off the bench and the nights that he's not playing well, you can maybe lean on, okay, we're going to play Nance and, and Love primarily as the centers and, and kind of stagger that a little bit. Then you can go that way. But uh, I yeah, I think it's it, it's kind of part of how the debate culture that surrounds sports goes and that we don't talk about what a player does well. We talk about what a player does better than another player or um, th- this player is good because this guy sucks. We, we're just so bad at quantifying what a player does well without pairing that with a negative. I could handle it if it wasn't so fucking boring. <laughs> like if, if it was if it was more interesting to do that, but logically it just didn't it didn't make a ton of sense. Sure. But I'm also bored. It sucks. <laughs> If you're going to be miserable, at least be interesting. Hundred percent. That's the motto of this podcast. Uh, do you more? Do you think that it's? Do you think Tristan Thompson's ever going to start again? Do you think this is just kind of the way it's going to be? And if so, if uh, if if not, if you think Nance is, um, are you worried about him wearing down? Kind of the same way Tristan did. I'm definitely worried about him wearing down. I mean, he's six nine, you know, and he's not. He's not huge. Um, and how many times have we seen it? We saw it with Anderson Verjao. We saw it with Tristan Thompson. And, you know, maybe there's some bounce back with Tristan for that. But when you're smaller than average at the position, it just that that one half a step ruins the entire process when you lose it. So I would definitely be um concerned as as to like a wear down but if yeah, he does lose I, I, it let's hope it's after three finals runs yeah <laughs> yeah i mean we got everything that if tristan is indeed done they got just about everything they could have out of right. him they really squeezed <laughs> that as much as you could yeah and i think it, it's probably a little early to say that he's done yeah that's not um, what and i, I mean we're working on a hypothetical i get it but mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i don't see you know i, I think that Nance has definitely been better. And I don't think anyone argued that he hadn't been better. You know, the issue is how is your bench going to fill out? And right. where do these pieces fit? So you bring Tristan Thompson back, and now he's on the bench with maybe Jetty and Jordan Clarkson and Kyle Korver. Um you know, I, if you don't play Jeff Green, I think it works. Yeah, I don't think, Green Thompson is just a pairing I hate. Yeah, you know, I, I would like to see a lot less Jeff Green until Kevin comes back because I feel like that is is something that really you don't want to see them now, like when when they're missing Tristan and Kevin, because this would be where I see he actually has some value. I don't think he has value without a stretch five. I mean, when you got value from Jeff Green was when I guess Kevin theoretically he'd be playing the five in my hypothetical, which yeah, I, I get his I nightmare. Need, I don't need any of that. You know, do you need um, Ante Zizic even though he looked pretty good against Detroit? Like, I mean, those are your two options right now. I am interested in 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 Ante. You know, I think that would be more interesting. And if it goes terrible, then you just make a move, but. You know, Jeff Green as center is not palatable to me because nobody guards him. Yeah, you know? you're also not really learning anything. That's the other thing. Like, 
if you're going to have to have if you're going to have to play an undesirable give undesirable minutes at five you might as well give them to the guy you need to figure some stuff out about right yeah no i i'm i'm all about that i, I was just interested because um it, it would make sense for if he's going to play it would be now but uh, i i'm definitely in favor of cutting green basically out of the rotation unless there's injuries once love and thompson are back in the lineup um i i do I do agree with what you guys are saying, though, that if Thompson is with the bench, you want to surround him with shooting Um, in in a limited sample size. He actually did have some good chemistry with Isaiah Thomas in the pick and roll game. And I I think that that's something that you could carry over to Jordan Clarkson. As long as that play, those two are surrounded by shooting, whether that be J.R. Smith, Kyle Korver or whoever you're throwing out there with the bench unit. I think as long as you you space the floor for those guys that that can be something that's productive i agree uh it's all about finding workable lineups and nance while he's not a shooter that uh, as like same with thompson he is a good passer and that's why green works a little bit better with him so tristan to the bench does kind of create some you know you have to make some adjustments and you have to make some concessions but i think those are probably the right concessions to make because it's hard to see LeBron paired with Nance and then want to go back to anything else. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And go ahead. you know, I, I think the current lineup works really great. I think hood and Jr. and Hill along with LeBron and, and Nance is probably your best five players right now. Um, you know, and then depending well, I mean, on Jr. is not that I, I will fight you to the death over Jr. being one of their five best players right now. I mean, I guess Clarkson could be playing, you know, better. They don't really have a lot of guys that are playing great behind him. George Hill, eh, he's been up and down. I guess he could be. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, outside of LeBron, Nance, Kevin, I, I think outside of those three guys, you're going to be question marks. pretty parched to find. I mean, J, Jr. hasn't. He hasn't played defense at all this year, and he's not even really hitting shots. Like, I, I'm putting Kyle Korver above him. I'm putting Jetty because at least you get energy out of him. Um, he just hasn't been a productive member of this team. Let's use this mini conversation as a way to segue into a JR discussion. Um, I posited on Twitter uh, that uh, Lou said he's going to run with the starting lineup for a little while um, with Hood at the small forward, LeBron at the power forward and then Nance of the five. And I posited the idea that this is Tyrone Liu getting ready to bench J.R. Smith when Kevin Love comes back. What do you guys think about that? Um, I think that's the case. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah. That's tough like, to say. But I think like we that. also need, in this discussion, we also need to talk about how the idea of Rodney Hood and the production of Rodney Hood have not really lined up yet. It's not well, like Hood is lighting like, the world on fire. Um, remember a couple years ago, and I think Carter, I'd messaged you this, where every conversation we had was, you know, oh, JR's going to do this until Shump starts. And it's like, well, why would Shump start? Well, you know, he's, he's the defensive stalwart that you need, you know, 3 and D. And it's kind of the same thing where the idea of Shump was always so much better and hey, here's this defensive wing you're gonna plug in instead of Jr. Um, where Jr. became that guy, 
And now I'm not saying that's going to happen in this case. I think he has a higher ceiling if he could ever freaking hit it than a lot of your guys. But um, and I can be the last person on JR Island. I'm fine with that. It's kind of my niche. But yeah, the thing with Hood is he hasn't put, you know, a complete game together. He's had some games where he's defended well. He's had some games where he's, you know, he's shot pretty well. Um, one thing he said the other night that, you know, I, I think hopefully is a sign of him coming around is is that he's just trying to get used to, you know, being more aggressive. Where in Utah you had to, you know, make three, four, five passes before you could even attempt a shot. Um, <laughs> the Cavs are trying to, you know, two passes, find a mismatch and attack it. Um, they're, they're more of a straightforward, you know, way of playing basketball, which is not to say there's a problem with Quinn Snyder's offense, just Cavs do it a different way. There's the beautiful thing about basketball is there's 5 million ways to do it. Um, and hood hasn't, I mean, I think, I think he can be really good so far. I think he's just been okay. You know, I don't think he's been better than Clarkson has been. Um, no, I'd say well, Jordan, I don't Jordan Clarkson so has been Clarkson is benefiting though. Best of that deal yeah i don't i don't know i think clarkson is benefiting from his natural tendencies towards alpha dogness like he's taking the ball off the court so he's gonna he's gonna be the lead dog on those bench units where hood it seems like he's just kind of settled in to being like a tertiary option at all times and really i kind of want to see him be a more aggressive second option um but also he's just missing reason not to see jeff green sorry to jump in there yeah no that's a good point he needs to be getting the ball when, you know, right now he's getting the ball as a shooter. He needs to be getting the ball as a handler and not like a initiator or anything. But, you know, when, when Jeff Green's getting the ball, it should be on the move with a mismatch driving towards the basket. That's where he was really successful. And you can't do that with Tristan Thompson or, you know, Jordan Clarkson dribbling around. Um, it, it's just not there for him. Sorry to cut yeah. you off. No, no, that's more Jeff Green talk. But. It's a salient point, but you know, I mean, a lot of it with Hood is just he has to make his threes. Like, yeah, he's he, just he's shooting thirty-two percent from three, and that's yeah, not as good, good of a shooter for his entire career. And he's just not hitting threes yet. Like, it, it's just a little bit of a slump over a small sample size. And I do like that he has. He's been a little more aggressive, Ryan, as you said uh, the past couple games. Like, um. It, it, in, in the last game there, he wasn't hitting shots in the first half, so he took it to the basket. But at least with him, you're, you're getting a little more consistent effort, um, especially on the defensive end compared to JR. Um, but, like, I, I'm not trying to bury JR. Like, I, I do think that he can still be productive. But when you're talking about just such a short turnaround time of trying to figure this out before the playoffs, um, I I do think that there might be a benefit of him going to the bench once Love is back um, because you're going to need someone to be a little more aggressive off the bench. And when Jr. is thinking less and, and just getting shots up and, and initiating offense, um, that's typically when he's at his best. And I, I think we saw some of that for a stretch there kind of before and just after the All-Star break. Um, but he he's kind of gone back to not knowing where his spots are. And um, I, as much as you, you kind of risk losing him a little bit uh, by moving him to the bench, 
I do think that there is a possibility that that actually kind of helps him get out of that slump. See, I kind of disagree. I, I, I'm, I, you know, it's funny. I think Hood is more important long term, but I think short term you need, you can't lose Jr. this season. You just can't. And like, I think you, I, I, I just don't, don't know if that Jr. is there anymore. Yeah, and he might not That's be. My I concern. mean, I do think the thing about Jr. that people forget is he's 33. This is the age where guards start to not be good at basketball anymore. Like. It's very possible that he might have just lost a step or two and and we don't want to acknowledge it, right? Is that is that out of control to say? Well, no, that's like that's what I feel has kind of occurred. Like he's he's had a few injuries lately. Um he he's he's kind of lost a step and and the the thing with JR though is that he definitely kind of falls into that LeBron mindset of I'm going to save myself for certain times. And we saw it last year. He was terrible through the regular season. And, and this kind of goes towards your point guarder. Um, but then in the playoffs, all of a sudden he shoots over 50% from the floor and over 50% from three. Um, so he, he does that same thing as LeBron. It's just JR's not trying floor is a lot lower than LeBron's when he's coasting through the regular season. I don't see why JR can't still start, but just play way less minutes. He's playing 29 minutes a game. I would also be okay with that. Like, I just think they need to cut his minutes down, but you can't lose him. And also, I actually don't like it when he's on the bench because I think it makes him think he has to play like point guard. Like, LeBron's on the bench. I got to get guys into their offense. I was like, I just want you gunning, man. Um, Him and Clarkson on the bench as two alphas would. See, now that I'm thinking about that would be kind of hilarious. It would be probably not the greatest thing. Um, you almost have to put Calderon out there so that there's like <laughs> nope. one guy that it's like, no, on this possession, we're actually going to try to get a good shot and, and not go 110 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I honestly, I don't really care who starts as long as Hood is closing and Hood's getting the lion's share of the minutes. I, I, I really when think... I, when I say start, I typically yeah. mean get starters minutes. Yeah, I don't I, understand. I don't care about who's introduced. Um, it is worth noting that Kobe Altman did a nice job here of really identifying that the Cavs needed long-term replacements at shooting guard and center or potentially did at center. I think shooting guard, we knew like even if Jr. turns it around this year, I mean, how many years does he really have left? Um, right. Probably not that many. So he saw these two positions that needed short up and he really did go find young, interesting guys that might not be perfect, but have potential to take those roles long-term. And really, I mean, the last, play the only position they really need to shore up long term assuming lebron stays is point guard just the fact that hill's a little older but i mean maybe that's clarkson we don't know yeah it, uh, it could be or one thing i did want to dantage yeah no kidding one thing i did want to touch on with hood that i find have you guys noticed like that dude's got to get in the weight room he gets he gets beat up and like he'd like He'll have an angle on someone, and they'll just give him a little bump, and he'll go flying. Like, yeah, well, that I mean, that, that's, that's the book on him the, is that uh, he's perception. a little bit soft. But like, right? If you just get stronger, I don't think that's as much of a problem. Like, he kind of has the body of a guy who's a rookie, despite being twenty five years old. Yeah, I don't know if that's turning around. At this I mean, point. probably won't. I think that's that's just who it's he just is. Just something I'm noticing, and it's like, man, if you just like added like a little bit of bulk, you could probably turn the corner a lot better. Fucking Carter body shaming on the pod. Yeah, if you saw my body. Yeah, what the hell is this, man? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What makes you so great? Uh, Nothing, actually. Literally, (laughs) nothing makes me great. Um, 
what have you guys thought about Clarkson? I, I, I feel like some people are a little slower to warm up to him. Some people really are just in. It's the I find myself experience. in the middle. The the overpaid throw-in guy that was supposed to be the poison pill, and he's feast or famine, depending like um, from one shift to the next. You never know what you're going to get. I kind of actually did like Ty Lu throwing in um, Calderon with him because, as I said, sometimes you you need a point guard. Yeah. Um, but holy crap, is he fast and like the athletic finishes around the rim and man, he just adds another dimension to the team. And I think as long as you use him properly, um, which is understanding which nights he has it going and which nights, okay, we, we need to have a little shorter of a leash. Um, he can definitely be a weapon for this team. I, I'm I'm in on the experience for the same reasons I was in on the JR experience. He really is kind of like a homeless man's Russ Westbrook in terms of style of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he, he looks like he can oh, be part man. of a winning team. Imagine imagine if, if the Cavs were able to win the lottery so we could trade for Russ, how cool that would be. Um, but <laughs> I like... I'm, I'm just going to cut. I'm just going to like end this call and... <laughs> and we're just going to have to, like, cold stop this podcast. You do this to me again. Um, but, yeah, no, I think I think a guy like Clarkson is necessary to the Cavs bench staying afloat. And I, I'm actually really interested in the lineup, you know, maybe not with, with Ante in it, um, that they were playing against Detroit. Because I think Clarkson with Corver, Jetty, and – you know, called around. They, they used Jose. I don't know. I mean, we I don't calling know it the Make that. America Great Again lineup or what? Oh, <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that was awkward and uncomfortable. Continue. Yeah. Um. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um. I don't know if they would like a couple of those guys. Um. That's actually a great point. They, um, <laughs> But so, I mean, I think it gives you a lot of flexibility. And if you're going to have, you know, starter, if you're if you're going to start Rodney Hood, I think Clarkson becomes more imperative because you have to sit LeBron at some point and you need guys that are going to attack. If if you want to stay afloat, you know, you you need guys that are going to attack and I think Clarkson's done really well with that in his time here. It's kind of what um, Lou had in mind for Derrick Rose, except Jordan Clarkson doesn't suck ass. I mean, it's how he's Kyrie as well. Yeah, I um, agree. I, I, that's just what it is. You know, the, the way you have to stack a roster around LeBron with ill-fitting parts leads to having to get pretty creative in, in how you make your bench work. And I, I think Clarkson as, you know, I, I think he's – been really valuable and, and just having a six five guard that you can put at the point and he's been decent enough initiating the offense um i think that works really well for what the Cavs are trying to do and yeah i mean the contract isn't honestly that bad it no was, it's I, it's not i mean the, the Lakers thought he was Russell Westbrook until he was traded. Just the same way the the Celtics fans thought that the the Brooklyn pick was going to be high until it was traded for Kyrie. Um, before we wrap this up, um, we, we've kind of touched on it, but I, I just want us to kind of confirm it. Um, who is your X factor for the Cavs down the stretch? Carter? 
Um, I'm going to say Rod or George Hill. George Hill. Wake up, George. Right. You're on a I good like team. That. You can you can shoot. I promise you. For the love of God, please make some threes. It's he's all pretty you good need when to he's do. aggressive. <laughs> Mort, who's your guy? Uh, I think the Cavs go as far as Kevin Love is I, able I to. Gonna, Kevin Love was my secondary pick. Yeah. You know, I think they need that third guy that they can truly, truly count on. And his shooting and passing and rebounding, you know, again, with guys like Clarkson and Nance and Hood that want to run, the biggest difference in all the dead weight they cut is they're, they're actually trying to get out and run, and there are not many better players to facilitate a um, transition game than, than Kevin. So I think he'll make every one of these guys' strengths quite a bit better. Um, and, and I think he's, he's what's really going to unlock the Cavs' full potential. I I definitely agree with Love. Um, he's pretty goddamn good, and I think him returning to who he was earlier this season before Isaiah Thomas, um, that like kind of he, he becomes a workhorse, and he allows everyone to settle into what their natural rules are. Because right now everyone's kind of playing one slot up, um, but because I'm, I'm not going to answer with any of the guys you guys have picked, I'm just going to go with Larry Nance. Uh, because I'm just going to assume that Kevin Love is going to come back and look like himself. So if you have LeBron and Love, Nance kind of being that third guy and paying a little bit, playing a, above his pay grade, um, I, I think that would go a long way for this team. Either of you guys got anything to add before we wrap this up? Let's go Cavs against the Nuggets in a game that our listeners will have already watched. Yeah, what what a game. What a highlight by that guy. I can't believe that. I, I can't. I can't believe Jokic went an entire half only taking one shot again. Uh, I know he's the best player in the NBA, so I don't want to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Shout All out right. to Thanks the Brooklyn to... Nets and their <laughs> playoff push. Thanks to Mort Carter. It's good to have you back. Is it? I'm Justin. Um, <laughs> thanks to our listeners for listening. Um, we appreciate all the feedback. Remember. Best way to support the podcast is leaving a rating, leave a review, uh, unsubscribe, resubscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, cook the books. We appreciate that. Uh, so we'll be back. Hopefully not tomorrow. Hopefully nothing that warrants an emergency podcast happens. Um, but we'll we'll be there if it need be. If not, we'll hear. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks as always, and go cast. <laughs>